1: This is the Tom Hartman Program.
2: And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. What a day. Democracy gets a fist on the nose in Ukraine. But in my opinion, that's just the beginning. The situation in Ukraine is complex and the outcome is unknowable. But it could be potentially world changing for free nations and the world itself in bad ways and potentially even good ways. I'll get into all that in just a moment. Also, why Viktor Orban and his buddies at Fox News appear to be supporting Russia. And we've got truckers invading Washington, D.C. on their way. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. In good news also this first hour, a new COVID vaccine shows 100 percent efficacy against severe disease and hospitalizations. Whoa, what's that? It's in the New York Times. I'll tell you all about that. Professor Richard Wolff is going to drop by. What will be the impact of the Russian sanctions on America? We discussed this briefly last week. I want to do a deeper dive. And also, the scary new Republican contract with America is emerging. It is mean. It is dangerous. It is bizarre in some ways. We'll we'll dig into that in detail today. But first, my op-ed today. This is just like we talked about what's going on in Ukraine. And... You know you're doing something right when you get attacked from both sides, I suppose. You know, I had people say, oh, you're a stooge for the CIA and the military industrial complex, and then somebody, oh, you're a stooge for Russia. No, I I think that there's there's a lot of nuance to this, and a lot of it is missed by all of us. This is a complex situation, but, you know, let's start out. You know, serial rapist and alleged uh, career criminal Donald Trump came out and said, you know, that basically Putin was a genius. In fact, he said literally, this is genius, end quote. This is the same Donald Trump who was first impeached because he refused to give $400 million of the military aid to Ukraine because Ukraine refused, Zelensky refused to lie about Joe Biden on his, uh, you know, on on Trump's behalf. Um, But the, you know, the basic rule, the basic element of all law, I mean, going back biblical law, going back even before biblical law, is the old saying from the temperance movement back in the 1920s that your right to swing your arm ends where the other man's nose begins. Uh, We would update that to today to say the other person's nose begins. But you get the point. The integrity, bodily integrity, the border of your body is your skin and it shall not be violated. When it's done physically, it's called assault. When it's done sexually, it's called rape. But the bottom line is you may not violate the integrity of our body. Well, that's, all, that's like rule one, first commandment of all law all over the world, always has been. The international equivalent of that is you will not violate a, a nation's territorial integrity. And, of course, that's what's going on right now, at least in the opinion of most of the world and this commentator in Ukraine. That said, the Biden administration finds itself in a really awkward position. Bernie Sanders yesterday came out and said, and I quote, Vladimir Putin's latest invasion of Ukraine is an indefensible violation of international law, regardless of whatever false pretext he offers. But like I said, that said, the Biden administration is in a really awkward position in large part because we did the same thing to Iraq. And we have to acknowledge that. This is why Anthony Blinken was basically... Uh, referring in his speech at the United Nations last week to uh, previous times that America had come to the UN asking for military action but you know he he made he was obviously you know referring to Colin Powell's speech when Powell and Bush and Cheney were all lying about Iraq having WMD as a justification for a war but he said you know this time we're trying to stop a war not not start one but i think that this is you know this 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 is Something that is being used, shall we we say, in the propaganda war uh, on behalf of of, uh, Russia and and against the United States in particular on this, although we we also had allies who participated in that uh, giant lie. Also, Ukraine is not a member of NATO, and they're not a member of the European Union, and we have no explicit defense treaty with them, which is something that gets pointed out a lot on Fox News and in right-wing media, where they're basically saying, yeah, go ahead, take it, it's no problem. And, and also we have to acknowledge that back in, in 1991, there was this handshake deal between President George Herbert Walker Bush and Mikhail Gorbachev, the Secretary General of the Soviet Union, that NATO would not expand westward, and, or eastward, excuse me. And since then, you know, we've added, I believe, about a dozen NATO countries, many of them right up on Russia's border. If this was all about NATO... I think you could say that there was some sort of a justification, but it's not all about NATO. NATO has made it clear they're not going to let Ukraine in. The German foreign, the German uh, Chancellor came out and said, "No, not while I'm alive." Um, But on the other hand, you've got you know this this handshake deal having been violated over and over and over again. Thomas Friedman, you know, if not, I'm not a huge fan of Thomas Friedman at all. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a, one of the biggest advocates of neoliberalism in the media, but, you know, he published a piece in the Times yesterday basically saying the same thing. This is one of our biggest foreign policy blunders ever. There was no good reason to expand NATO like this. And, and you know, Russia is pointing that out. And and it gets particularly difficult when we say, well, Russia doesn't have the right to assert a sphere of influence, when for 200 years we have been doing the same with the Monroe Doctrine. President James Monroe in 1823 said basically the United States can meddle in any country it wants in Central and South America. And what do we do? We overthrew the government of Chile. We we, uh, invaded is not the right word. We we stuck our nose into the affairs of El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala. Uh, We have meddled in Mexico's. Uh, internal politics we've we've uh, you know we uh, encouraged the the so-called revolution in Argentina uh, you know we I mean it just goes on and on right so uh, it's it's not like our our nose is clean here but again, that said you've got a sovereign nation that is being invaded right now or is on the verge of being invaded depending on how you define invasion and it's a democracy, and I, I, th- I think this is probably the most important point is that the number of democracies in the world has been declining since 2006. And the question at the end of the day is, are you, are you in favor of and willing to defend democracies or not? Now, I'm not suggesting that we should get engaged militarily with Russia. I think that would be a screaming disaster. The last thing we need is a, is a war, an all-out war. With the, second, with the second largest nuclear power in the world and a war that would spread across Europe and may well spread across the world and could even end all life on Earth. So instead what we've got are soft responses, in other words, economic responses. Australia has imposed sanctions on Russia. Germany has imposed sanctions on Russia. and shut down the Nord Stream 2 Gulf uh, uh, pipeline. Uh, Canada has imposed sanctions on Europe. Uh, or on Russia, excuse me, and Europe is uh, imposing sanctions, as as is the United States. And in fact, you know, yesterday there was this big meeting in Europe where they were trying to come up with some, sta- you know, the, the European Union trying to come up with some fairly stiff, stiff sanctions, and Viktor Orban, and this was widely reported at the time, Viktor Orban, you know, the, the Hungarian strongman leader, who is a member of the European Union, was sa- and, and NATO, was saying, no, no, we're not going, you know, I'm not going to go along with this. Well, later he said, okay. And so the news stories are being, you know, changed and adjusted. But the bottom line, in my opinion, is that sanctions rarely do any good. But on the other hand, you've got to say something. You've got to take a position. You've got to take a stand. Uh, But, you know, like we saw in Cuba, we saw in Iran, we saw in North Korea, we saw in Venezuela, Western sanctions just Essentially, strengthened those countries, or you know, increase the bond that they have with their people. This whole rally around the flag effect. So, bottom line, there's no good options for the West, and this isn't about the military-industrial complex trying to make more money. It's it's not you know again the 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 sale of or distribution of weapons to Ukraine is just a tiny drop in the bucket of of the Pentagon budget, and there is no war in sight. So what do we do well bernie sanders yesterday and you know went on to say in addition to sanctions that you know the number one thing that we need to be doing right now is no longer being dependent upon petrostates i mean this is europe is getting 40% of their natural gas and oil from russia they're in a real bind right now so strategically the most important step the west could take right now is to disconnect itself from dependence on these oligarchic petrostates like Saudi Arabia and Russia. And this is particularly important for for Europe and you know Jimmy Carter started us in this in this process in 1979 when he said he was going to create a solar bank that would meet 20% of America's energy needs by the year 2000. That of course went down in flames when Reagan moved into the White House and took down Carter's solar panels and reversed his policies and put us back on you know, dependence on fossil fuels in Saudi Arabia. But now we got this fossil fuel shortage, OPEC and, and Saudi Arabia and Russia, and particularly only marginally increasing production, Europe on the verge of a full-blown crisis, an energy crisis, um, and you know the, the Nord Stream 2 deal dead. This this may be an opportunity if you know if you're looking to the, use the old Reaganism you know somewhere in this pile of crap there's a pony right if you're looking for a a good outcome from this and you know the tragedy of losing Ukraine is a huge and terrible outcome although it may well become Russia's Afghanistan and I think we have to note that caveat as well but the good outcome may be that this the, this increase in energy prices and this understanding now that that dependence on Petrostates is like stupid will fuel now that wind and solar and other forms of green energy are actually cheaper than fossil fuels i think is going to fuel an explosion in the in the adoption of these things also you know what's going on with china they're watching russia take you know ukraine and they're looking at taiwan you know china has not yet weighed in on this thing and so the whole world is kind of holding its breath in that regard so where's this gonna go so i just wanted to lay it all out and tell you exactly where i stand and exactly what i'm thinking about this there are no easy solutions there are no you know we're not going to sloganeer our way out of this or name call our way out of this and frankly we're not going to sanction our way out of this So. Anyhow, I got, I've got i got a bunch of other, uh, some incredible vaccine news. And uh, and Biden has called out the National Guard in D.C. I'll tell you all about that after the break. This
1: is the Tom Hartman
2: Program. Stick around. We'll be right back. It's the Tom Hartman Program helping you win the water cooler wars. Charles in Santa Monica. Hey, Charles, thanks for listening to KPFK. What's up? Hey, uh, have you... Uh read
3: over at sheer post the joint russia china statement i have not okay well basically what they're saying is is this from the last 24 be- hours charles no it's been up for a day or two okay uh we want to control internet we don't think you should mess around inside other people's countries and blah 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 so right this whole thing this whole thing they're just they're just driving of course. Who's going to make up the gas not going to Europe? Well, the United States frackers, right?
2: And middle and the Middle East actually probably most of it will be coming out of out of uh, Qatar and UAE.
3: But uh, I wanted to mention that, um, you know, uh, Bush put moved missiles into the uh, the ex Soviet states and or made a deal with. Uh, Lockheed Martin to do that, and everybody got so upset. And when Obama got elected, everybody was, he canceled the program, and everybody was relieved. Oh boy, I'm glad it's not that stupid. And he immediately made a deal with General Dynamics to have a ship based system that was then distributed to the same countries. So, and, and, you know, Bush said, oh, don't worry, Putin, this is all about Iran. Remember that? These right. missiles are to defend from Iran. And so he's been he's been watching this whole encroachment thing for a long time.
2: He
1: being and Putin.
3: He, he being Putin. Right. And uh, you know, I agree with you that Ukraine should be like Finland, but this I don't hear I don't hear on the media when they talk about this stuff, they never go into context or background that you know, kenan warned us about this in nineteen
2: ninety seven. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, yeah, uh, yesterday in the New York Times, and it was, it was kind of buried in this, in this article in the New York Times, uh, they said, and I'm, I'm waiting for some other confirmation of this, but, uh, you know, it's just this brief note, that yesterday President Putin came out and said that Ukraine has to give up all of the weaponry that the United States has given them in the last couple of years, all of their, quote, advanced weaponry. In other words, they have to disarm themselves or he's going to attack. Well, what happens when they disarm themselves? I mean, talk about a, a no-win situation for Zelensky.
3: Yeah, I think if the U.S. wanted to, we could get out of this. We could help him get out of this. Huh. But it goes, it goes against the American ego to do I, that. I don't
2: see how we can do it, Charles. What are you seeing that I'm missing?
3: If they decided to say, okay, look, you, you've got some significant security concerns here. Let's talk about them. Let's but Kennedy Putin has pushed all
2: that Russia. aside. He's, now, his, that, he's not even talking about that anymore. He's saying Ukraine is not a real country. It was part of Russia. The Soviet Union blew it and spun it off, and uh, we're going to take it back. It's, it's always been part of Russia. It'll always be part of Russia. That's his new sales pitch to the Russian people and to the world.
3: Well, yeah, he can say anything, just like Biden can say anything to us. No, but right? I'm saying,
2: how do you but, respond to that? He's no longer saying this is about NATO. He's saying this is about Ukraine as part of us.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's it's as if the United, well, it, it is exactly what President Polk said when he declared the, the Mexican-American war. And we took Texas and Arizona and New Mexico and Southern California from Mexico. Oh, this is part of America. I mean, you know, it's, There's, it's go ahead.
3: funny to talk
2: about. How do we get off? How does Russia get off oil when it's their major export? Oh, it's you it, know? And I believe it's like 40. I've read it's 40 percent of their economy. I, yeah. Charles, thank you. Thanks for a thoughtful conversation. We'll be right back. Welcome back. A couple of other things in the news that I wanted to apprise you of that I think are, are really consequential things. You know, those of us, and I, I realize I'm, I'm a member of a shrinking minority. We, we noticed yesterday that we get a daily email from the Department of Health here in Oregon. I mean, anybody in Oregon can get it that says, you know, what the COVID numbers are and breaks them out by county and all that kind of thing. And, you know, we were down to a, a, between one and two thousand daily cases yesterday and the day before, but now, you know, today or or yesterday, last night, I guess it was, it was over 3,000 again. What happened? Well, you know, over the weekend, people were like, hey, it's going away. So let's go to the restaurant or let's go to the movies. And boom, you know, we've got another COVID explosion. So I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for something that's going to make me feel like, you know, I don't have to worry about getting brain fog or heart disease, basically. I mean, I'm not worried. I'm in pretty good health. Even though I'm a, an older guy, uh, I'm not worried about dying from COVID, but I don't want to be disabled by it. Well, two companies have now come out: uh, Sanofi and, and Glax- GlaxoSmithKline (GSK) have now come out with a vaccine that was initially funded by Operation Warp Speed. Uh, Trump can be t- take credit for this. Um, that they claim, and they're just they're submitting it now to the FDA and to the European authorities um, that two doses of this new vaccine, which is not an MRNA vaccine, it is just an old fashioned vaccine that has a piece of a protein from the virus. So the body produces antibodies to that protein. So it's injecting the protein into the body. The MRNA ones cause the body to produce its own version of the protein. But anyhow, they're claiming 100% efficacy against severe disease and hospitalizations. They also say that if you use their new vaccine, this new Sanofi GSK vaccine, as a booster after having two shots of Moderna or Pfizer, that it increases antibody levels 18 to 30 times. That's 1,800 to 3,000% if I'm doing my math right. Safe and well-tolerated by adults should be available presumably you know in the next few months so hang on to that i think this is really really good news also because it's just an old fashioned protein vaccine number one you don't have you won't have people freaking out that they think their dna is going to be altered which is nonsense but hey you know it's got the name mrna in it the other vaccines And two, because it's just an old fashioned protein based vaccine, it doesn't require the draconian refrigeration. So it'll work better in third world countries and maybe be more easily available. I'll tell you about the National Guard and uh, Joe Biden right after this and then pick up your phone calls. Stick around. We'll be right back. Talk media for the sane among us right here. Welcome back. So, la- final story, and then, then your phone calls here. National Guard has uh, deployed tactical vehicles to Washington, D.C. Now, these are all unarmed troops, but 700 National Guard have been deployed to Washington, D.C. The, uh, the new, we want to do what the Canadians did. <laughs> <laughs> trucker convoy, a new trucker tantrum is emerging here in the United States. This is, uh, according to Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, the, the National Guard, the Federal National Guard, is going to coordinate with the D.C. National Guard and with the, DC, with the U.S. Capitol Police, the Metropolitan Police Department of Washington, D.C., and the state police forces of both Maryland and Virginia, which, of course, you know border D.C. on the north and the south the apparently the uh, uh, american intelligence indicates that the goal of this new they're calling it a trucker convoy but it's there's going to be a few truck you know actual 18 wheelers but probably mostly it's going to be yahoo's with pickup trucks and and trump flags in the back and they're they're saying that they want to shut down washington dc they're saying they're doing this because uh, they're opposed to vaccine mandates I don't think there are any federal vaccine mandates. Uh, actually, maybe there are for some agencies. I, I thought that they had gotten struck down. I'm not frankly sure. I don't recall. It's gone back and forth. Or mask mandates. I mean, we've got them on airplanes, I suppose. Um, but uh, that, but this is interesting. Democrat, d- demonstrators, this is from a story in, on, on the, over at Daily Kos by Brandy Buckman. Uh, demonstrators have also pointed to critical race theory as an impetus. Uh, right, they're also planning a uh, uh, a protest this afternoon at a jail in Washington D.C. Next Tuesday is the State of the Union address, and they're going to try and shut down Washington D.C. on the day of the, of the State of the Union address because you know, hey, we hate democracy or something. I I don't get it. Pennsylvania, this is the Bob Bolus of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Told reporters at ABC News, he was leading the convoy out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. But then they reported there was a slight delay because he had two flat tires. He had an 18-wheeler and uh, half a dozen trucks behind him. He originally claimed he had 25 trucks. Uh, you know, we'll see. I, I, I don't want to diminish this because, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, these guys are organizing on Facebook and other social media, and they're, they're going to pull it together. And, you know, it's kind of a collective grievance thing, and it's being amplified. Of course, on social media by by trolls right across the board, from foreign trolls to American trolls. So uh, we'll see how this plays out and and uh, what happens. Anyhow, let me pick up your phone calls here. All all these uh, uh, interesting interesting thoughts on, on on all dimensions of this thing. Logan in Lincoln, Georgia. Hey, Logan, what's on your mind today? Macon, Georgia. Macon. My difference? my apologies. What's up, Logan? I'm dish. I have
4: been what's to Macon. What's the difference between Kuwait and Putin now. Saddam saying saying will invade Kuwait and Putin invading Ukraine. What's the difference?
2: Well, I th- I, th- I see man, there's okay. there's two big differences. Uh the first is that Kuwait was a major supplier of oil to us. And then that uh you know chafed uh, oil CEO uh President Bush back in the day. The second is that Kuwait didn't have any sort of uh relationship to their existence was only disputed by Saddam Hussein, basically, and we were looking for an excuse to attack him already. The Project for New American Century was calling for that, and Kuwait didn't have an al or an, an opponent, excuse me, like uh, Ukraine does with with Russia. I mean, there was no there was no Russia there, or let me rephrase that, Iraq. It was not Russia. Does that make sense? I mean, you know, Iraq was attacking Kuwait, and so we went in and drove them out of Kuwait and and bombed the crap out of Iraq and then put sanctions on them that led to the death of a half a million children over the next decade or so. Russia is attacking Ukraine right now, but we don't have the ability to do to Russia what we did to Kuwait. Or we got what we, did
4: to, we got we have troops, I'm a veteran. We got troops from in. We need to stop Yeah, I mad man.
2: I understand, you know, your concern and you know, there are people who are saying, yeah, we should we should fight back and we should be there defending Ukraine. And my gut feels that way but i don't think that taking on russia on the international stage having a military conflict with russia is something that will work to the benefit of the united states or europe or or at the end of the day even ukraine and i don't think ukraine wants to turn into a bloodbath around this logan thanks for the call Alejandro in miami hey Alejandro, what's on your mind today
5: no, I guess I wanted to offer my opinion about the whole Ukraine-Russia situation, but I guess I wanted to ask some questions first that I think, I guess, confuse me or I guess makes me wonder about Putin's motivations for, you know, invading Ukraine. Because, you know, I see some parallels between this and Hitler invading Poland, and I'm just thinking, like, wh- why is Putin trying to, like, why would Putin want to invade Ukraine now when everyone already knows what the game plan is? It's like, there's no, there's no element of surprise. And everyone already knows that you know, Putin invades is not going to be under proper you know pretext. It's, it's all it's going to be a false flag operation. It's going to be some nonsense excuse, just like Hitler saying, "Oh, the Polish army attacked us," right. and when it was obviously the, the well, there's a huge difference here,
2: Alejandro. Chamberlain and and the UK did not reveal the intelligence that they had about what Germany was planning to do with regard to the Sudetenland or Austria or Hungary or Poland. Um, Biden, you know, I think. Had Biden not come out and said, "Here's what's going on. Here's our intelligence. Here's what we know," which we didn't do when Putin went after Crimea, and what we didn't, do, and which we didn't do, you know, in, in World War II, I think that that Biden, because of what Biden did, instead of taking all of Ukraine in one big gulp, they they're they've just taken the the Donbas or or part of it, and they're going to try and take a little more of it, and and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it seems to me like a, I, I, victory is the wrong word, but seems to me like a successful counter intelligence operation, at least, on the part of the United States to, to just basically out what they were up to.
5: Yeah, definitely. And then you would think that the Russians, knowing the consequence of their action, knowing that there's no legitimate basis to invade Ukraine and carve up another uh, part of Ukraine, and and to do it, to get in the face of all those economic sanctions, like you were talking yesterday about taking out, getting off the SWIFT network, how that would devastate the economy in Russia and stuff like that. And I'm like, don't the Russians, at the end of the day, care about making money? So why are they going to go to war to lose money right. and to be isolated diplomatically because of, the, of, of intervention in Ukraine? Let's see what's the uh, well, advantage for The, the
2: big question here, Alejandro, did Putin paint himself into a corner? Particularly by pitching yep. to the Russian people that Ukraine's not a real country; it's actually part of Russia, and therefore it needs to be reunited. Thanks for the call, Stephen Lahambra, California. Hey, Stephen, what's on your mind today?
3: Hey, Tom, good to talk to you. Hey, I just wanted to kind of follow up on the discussion you had started about the Ukraine mm-hmm. crisis yeah. and. And you, we were kind of talking a little bit about what, what's motivating this. And certainly what I'm hearing in the news about you know, this cultural appropriation of kind of a Russian homeland and all that, I don't actually buy into that entirely. I think that's just the pretext for what Putin is really after. And that is, I think, first of all, kind of a, a reemergent Russia, if you will, or kind of a reclaiming the Russian empire that I think you know, by putting Russia as a main player on the world stage like it used to be, I think that's really part of his goal. And one of the ways he's doing that is by by uh, subduing, or at least making sure that Ukraine doesn't fall into the Western sphere of influence, you know, with Europe or, right. or even NATO. Right. I think his real objective is just to make sure that by discrediting the, the Western response, because, let's face it, they're not going to be able to stop him. And even with sanctions, economic sanctions might do something. But I think that Putin has shored himself up by making that agreement with China to, to make sure he's got a market for the oil, which is Russia's main economic export. So I think really his primary objective is to discredit Western democracy, uh, uh, which is frankly it's the main, uh, I guess, alternative to his uh, autocratic you know the the autocracy that he runs over there in Russia yeah i think he's getting there.
2: the band back together you know and and he has yeah, you yeah. know publicly for two decades now lamented the breakup of the soviet union saying it was probably the worst disaster in his lifetime and uh yeah. and and also you know ukraine is the breadbasket of europe it's the fifth largest producer of wheat in the world it has huge oil and coal reserves and and the potential for massive fracking reserves uh, you know, and 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 it's the gateway between Russia and and Europe. You know, it, it was the path through which uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the the Soviet forces came back in the day to to take on Germany, or th- through which Germany uh, attacked Russia. You know, for that matter, yeah. or the Soviet Union and and so you know there are geopolitical things there there's a lot of money there there's mineral wealth there there's oil there there's there's food there there's a lot of things that will really help russia if they can acquire them the problem that i think they're facing is that if they go beyond the the Donetsk, they are going to probably be facing a protracted insurgency much like they faced in afghanistan and i'm not sure that they have the stomach for that but maybe i mean you know we'll see Stephen, thank you for the call. We'll be right back. last week when we spoke with Professor Richard Wolf we uh, were talking about what might happen if uh, Ukraine gets invaded what happens if there's war in that region what happens if there are sanctions and that sort of thing well now we're seeing it play out in real time so I want to check back with Professor Wolf and see his catch his thoughts on all this stuff uh, you know the, the latest now that we have some actual real uh, impacts in real numbers he's a, the uh, professor of economics co-founder of democracy at work.info the author of numerous books his latest the sickness is the system when capitalism fails to save us from pandemics or itself and you can tweet him you can find him on Twitter at Prof Wolf, with two F's on the end uh, RD Wolf uh, professor Wolf welcome back so what what are you seeing as the impact a the conflict B, the, the shutting down of Nord Stream 2, and C, these sanctions that we are putting on Russia?
6: Well, as you know, uh, Tom, I've tried to apo- approach things historically. And let me begin briefly with that. The United States has been slapping sanctions in the 1990s, uh, the first 20 years of this century, over and over again. Uh, against a whole host of countries, but particularly Russia and particularly China. And let me be blunt here. There's not a shred of evidence to indicate that the ostensible foreign policy purposes that these sanctions were intended to achieve were, in fact, achieved. Uh, When Russia went into the Crimea in 2014, there were all kinds of sanctions. Did they leave the Crimea? No. Did they stop with their attitude of of protecting themselves by controlling to some extent what goes on in in, uh, the Ukraine? No. Did it prevent them from doing what they've just done? No. Uh, There's no evidence at all that these sanctions are effective in changing foreign policy. But there is a lot of evidence that they, too, change us internally. Uh, For example, when President Trump said, I'm putting tariffs on Chinese goods and, boy, we'll make the Chinese pay, many of us who are economists and teach basic economics had to point out not that it worked all that well, The tariffs are paid here by the American companies uh, that import stuff from China and are usually passed on to the rest of us as higher prices. We, not the Chinese, would be paying. China last year, during the time of these tariffs, had the best export year in the history of the country. The sanctions didn't hurt them, but it did contribute to the inflation here. Uh, Again and again, you're going to see it now, too. It's a little hard to predict because we don't know how long these will last, and we don't know what reaction the Russians, Chinese, who are now their allies, uh, what steps they will take. And they have reacted in the past with their own sanctions. So here's what we're fairly confident of. The price of oil and gas is going to go up that's for sure how far how long we don't know but since that's an input to every other price because everything that comes to us in in a store had to get there by a truck which uses uh oil or gas we're going to see our inflation get worse and then there's going to be a real moment for the american people is it worth the damage you are going through to maneuver around a place on the map which, let's be honest, most Americans could not find.
2: Well, and and I know that the uh, Obama administration was, and, and, and frankly the Bush administration before them, was claiming that the sanctions on Iran brought Iran to the negotiating table with regard to the JCPOA, as I recall it's called. Um, but I, I, to the best of my knowledge, that's the only time that anybody has ever even claimed that sanctions have been effective. I mean, all it did, all sanctions did with Cuba, for example, was create a rally around the flag, around Fidel Castro. All the sanctions did on Venezuela was turn Hugo Chavez into a superhero. Uh, you know, we've seen that repeated. So I, 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 I get that. Um, and, but, but with regard to the price of oil... I mean, we had, in, in, the, in the 1970s, when the U.S. took the side of Israel in the, in, in the, what was it, the Seven Day War, was it called? I forget the, the name of the war, but um, uh, you know what I'm talking about. And the Arab countries cut off our supply of oil. We, yes. had, this, we had this explosion of, in the oil price, and uh, the consequence of that was a decade of inflation. And there are those who argue that it takes about a decade to wring that kind of inflation out of an economy, uh, whether the Fed raises interest rates or not, which is another question, you know, is that a practical strategy? Um, and, and sure enough, it took a decade, although we went through some real horrible pain. But what might we expect? I mean, are, are we looking at $200 oil prices and 20% inflation here in the United States and in Western Europe?
6: Well, the amazing thing is, my the only honest answer to your question is, those are now possible. And they weren't that extremely Uh, possible as little as a few weeks ago. Look, every businessman and woman in the world right now is confronting rising inflation. Seven to eight percent in this country and even in countries that don't have that high, they know it's coming and it's going to be tough. You know what they know now? it's gonna be worse than what they expected. It's gonna last longer. And every businessman and woman who wants to raise their price to offset their rising costs, to make more profit, to compensate for the last two years of pandemic and economic crash during which their profits were negatively impacted. Every one of them wants to raise price, but is afraid that if they do so, the public will be angry at them, boycott them more or less. They all now have an excuse. The world headlines blaring about Ukraine Russia the United States Europe this happening that happening in that kind of a cloud you can get away with almost anything and businesses are going to be using the excuse oh I didn't want to raise my price but you see there were some supply chain disruptions because of what the Russians did or threatened to do or because of what the European sanctions were and on and on and on and in that smoke they will get away which is one of the few things you're confident of looking at this is that whatever happens on the ground in the Ukraine the cost to the American people in inflation in all the dislocations of an inflation, in the growing gap between rich and poor, that inflation always imposes on people because the workers cannot catch up with wages uh, to keep pace with the rising prices most of the time. You put all that together and we're going to be paying yet again for a foreign policy like the tariffs in china that did not do what they were used to excuse it's very hard and i see it in the european press it's very hard not to think at this point that mr biden who's had a lot of troubles in his first year or so now can be Mr. Tough Guy and look a little bit better, just as Mr. Trump did with his attacks uh, on China, just as Boris Johnson is trying to distract from his career-ending shenanigans that are otherwise the front-page news.
2: Yeah, it's a, we live in interesting times, as they yes, say. Yes, we do. Uh, uh, Professor Richard Wolff, uh, the economist, co-founder of democracyatwork.info. You can tweet him at ProfWolf on uh, on Twitter. Professor Wolf, thanks so much for dropping by. Thank you, Tom. Always great talking to you. We'll be back. The scary new GOP contract on America is emerging. It is mean and dangerous. And Donald Trump Jr. just got sued in a lawsuit. I'll tell you all about it. I promised to tell you about this, this for uh, <laughs> Rick Scott's new contract on America. This is this is astonishing. He's calling it the 11 point plan to rescue America. Uh, it's 31 page manifesto. And uh, the, here are some of the here are some actual quotes from it. Just just so you know, Brandon Gage uh, pulled these all together and published them over on alternate.org. Uh, Number one, our kids will say the Pledge of Allegiance, salute the flag, learn that America is a great country, and choose the school that best fits them. We will inspire patriotism and stop teaching the revisionist history of the radical left. Our kids will learn about the wisdom of the U.S. Constitution, the Bill, Bill of Rights, and the Founding Fathers. Public schools will focus on the three R's, not indoctrinate children with critical race theory or any other political ideology. Okay, so the small government conservative wants to take over our schools and make sure that they teach exactly what he wants taught. Number two, government will never again ask any American citizen to disclose their race, ethnicity, or skin color on any government forms. We are going to eliminate racial politics in America. Right. In other words, uh, you know, (laughs) A, we're not going to be able to identify places where uh... right-wingers are or, or white people in general are are actively suppressing uh... the rights economic rights political rights of people of color whether they be native american whether they be hispanic asian african-american uh... No, we're no longer we're no longer gonna be concerned about that it's you know it's just we're gonna go back to the old days good old days nineteen fifty five you know white people in charge end of discussion number three the soft-on-crime days of coddling criminal behavior will end. We will refund and respect the police because they, not the criminals, are the good guys. We will enforce our laws. All right, well, let's start out by enforcing our laws against, you know, the the, the, the all the various things that Donald Trump, all the laws that he broke, uh, number one. Number two, no Democrats are calling for the defunding the police. I know the Republicans love to promote this. The Republicans are all like, hey, uh, defund the police, yeah. Um, but this is, this is pathetic. Um, number four, we will secure our borders, finish building the wall, and name it after President Donald Trump. Right. We have a pretty effective border wall to our South. I, I realize that some people get through it, um, but we have to have a, uh, a. Uh, there, are, there are large parts of it that you know, are not places where people are passing through. B, the places where people are passing through, they're largely being captured, and uh, C, we need, we, we need to ask the question, and I think it's far more important, why is this happening? You know, what, are, what, what is going on in Central America that's causing people from Guatemala, by and large it's not people from Mexico coming into the United States, it's people from Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, El Salvador, why? Well, because of the political instability that we caused down there, number one, and number two, because climate change is ravaging some of their farms and creating massive poverty. Why don't we deal with the cause of this problem rather than the symptom of it? Uh, Number five, he says, we're gonna grow America's economy, starve Washington's economy, and stop socialism, reduce the government workforce by 25%. Right. So no more national parks? Social Security is, instead of taking two years to sign up for Social Security disability, is going to take five years. And if you got problems with your Medicare, it's going to take you months and months to get it dealt with. Uh, the I, I, We could go, I mean, this is, just, this is bizarre. We will eliminate all federal programs that can be done locally and enact term limits for federal bureaucrats and Congress. Right, term limits. This is... You know, this is something billionaires, right-wing billionaires have been pushing forever. We need term limits. Well, we have term limits. They're called elections. But uh, when you term limit politicians, what you do is you destroy the institutional infrastructure of political systems like state and federal legislatures. And the institutional structure that remains is the lobbyist structure, which, of course, you know, Rick Scott being an old hospital, uh, you know, guy, has his company oversaw the biggest uh, uh, Medicare fraud in the history of America. Uh, would probably love, I guess. Number seven, we're going to protect the integrity of American democracy and stop left-wing efforts to rig elections. What he's talking about is things like, well, here in Oregon, we have 100% vote-by-mail. It works. It's convenient. There's no fraud. There's no, no crisis. Uh, we have one of the highest voter participation rates in the country. Um, you know, he doesn't want this. Uh, he, he says, we can't allow the radical left to destroy our democracy by institutionalizing dishonesty and fraud. In other words, letting people who are citizens vote. Number eight, we will protect, defend, and, and promote the American family at all costs. Well, what does that mean? Um, basically, he says that uh, you know, well, he goes on, number nine, men are men, women are women, and unborn babies are babies. We believe in science. Um, because God, he created them. God created them. In fact, he's asserting God has a penis. Um, you know, he says modern technology has confirmed this facts are facts, right? Number 10, Americans will be free to welcome God in all aspects of our lives. Yes. Let's turn politics over to the preachers that worked really well for Massachusetts in the late 1600s and early 1700s, didn't it? Uh, he goes on to say, we will. When they are determined to drive all mention of God out of public view. No, we're, we're not. We we're just don't want people who claim to speak on behalf of God to be making our laws on behalf of God. He says, we will not be silenced, canceled, or told what to u- words to use by the politically correct crowd. Right. You want to go back to slurring people and, and harassing. I get it. I get it. Number 11, we are Americans, not globalists. Americans will be dependent on no other country. We will, not conduct, we will conduct no trade that takes away jobs or displaces American workers. Well, there, and, and he says, we will be energy independent. If it wasn't that he was talking about fossil fuels, I would say, okay, maybe you've got a point there. And this is probably the one thing that they're saying, you know, let's bring our jobs home, that people have been saying across the spectrum ever since Ronald Reagan and George Herbert Walker Bush negotiated NAFTA and the and the general agreement on tariffs and trade that led to the World Trade Organization that in, in aggregate led to over 60 million factories going overseas. It's the one item out of his 11 points where Rick Scott may find some agreement, but he's not the first to say this. He's coming along and saying, oh, I'm a great original thinker. Come on, give me a break. Yes, it's the end of the era of neoliberalism. John in Boyne, Michigan.
4: Hey, John, what's up? Hey, Tom. I love Professor Wolf. Actually, I'm a Patreon supporter of his. Yeah, he's a good um, guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Anyway, I agree with him. Everything is economic. What we actually have is a... And I'm 70 years old. I've got a, a long perspective on things. But in regards to this war, it's like every other war. It's for profit. We actually don't have a democracy. We have an oligarchy, and there are criminal oligarchs. Everything they do is for profit. And what we're really experiencing is a class war. they got oligarchs all over the world, and no matter what, they all do well in war because there's a lot of profit in war for all of them. Yep. So they're constantly pushing war. Now, you could look at the United States as being the center of capitalism. I, would, I contend that capitalism is a crime against humanity itself. The very system is the problem, just like Professor Wolf always says. Now, you look at the United States and what we spend— on what we say defense, it's not defense, it's offense, clearly. We spend as much as probably on our military as probably the rest of the world combined, if if, uh, we really look closely at it, at least the next 10 or 11 biggest countries. So we surround Russia, we surround China, and any other potential competitor, because that's what capitalism is in its nature. It's competitive, right? And so... uh, you know, but really what it is is a class war, so they have to keep us divided. There's no right. There's no left. There's just those that don't have it and those that do have it. Yeah. And it's a class war, simple as that. And I, and I, I don't it, know why it's so confusing for everybody.
2: Yeah, no, I, 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 I get it. And I, I, on, a, on an ultra macro level, I can't I can't disagree with you at all. Thank you very much. Harry in Lompoc, California. Hey, Harry, what's on your mind today?
5: Yeah, I have a question with regards to the Ukraine situation. Considering the origins of the European Union, going way back to Belalux and the pre-atomic age, and then into the atomic age, would you see part of Putin's strategy being to debase and replace that early infrastructure and move it east?
2: I wouldn't think so, and I and I would argue that the modern European Union is not so much the product of the this dr- you know post World War One actually dream of. Of a united Europe and more massive neoliberal experiment. Frankly, are you asking if Putin is trying to co-op the EU itself or damage the? You know, I think his main his main concern is not the EU; it's NATO. Well,
5: take into consideration the 50 percent reduction carbon emissions from the natural gas as kind of a step towards the green economy. Like with Germany, they want to be fully green by 2040. So there and then the uranium which he will gain from Ukraine again being used for that fave off.
2: Yeah, it's another point that people don't make is that uh, the largest supplier of uranium in Europe is Ukraine. Thank you very much. Larry in Coos Bay, Oregon. Hey Larry, what's on your mind today?
1: Long time listener, we're parallel as far as our universes are concerned. I'm seventy years old, I'll be seventy one in April. We've talked before and I haven't called up in a long time okay this is very upsetting I have three kids I got a granddaughter I don't want this to happen but my father fought with Patton in World War II from Sicily all the way up to Palermo my uncle my mother's brother fought in the Pacific against the fascists there we as humanity have to look this from the big picture you're not gonna placate these guys as soon as these guys cross the border, these fascists, as soon as they cross that Ukrainian border attacking a democracy, and I hate to say it, because I'm really a pacifist, or at least anti-war, just blow them up. As soon as they cross that border, if you don't teach these bullies a lesson, if you don't get rid of them, I am just...
2: So then what do you do when they take out New York City with a nuclear weapon?
1: We take out Moscow.
2: And then they take out a mutual. dozen more American cities, and pretty soon you got nuclear winter, and there's no more hum, human race. Is Ukraine worth that?
1: Is Ukraine worth it? Is freedom worth it? Is right. democracy worth it? Is anything it?
2: worth Is, the destruction exactly. of the human race? I mean, that's, well, that's the
1: question. Well, we, we can talk about mutual annihilation, and that could happen even now with conventional weapons. I mean, what we're talking about right now is if you're going to use conventional weapons, we'll, we'll take them out with conventional weapons. You want to start a nuclear war, well, that might be a, a whole different ball of wax. But no one's threatening nuclear war at this point. And again, if we activate nuclear weapons... Then Actually, again,
2: you know what Vladimir Putin was doing day before yesterday or three days ago, was overseeing nuclear exercises in Russia.
1: I get it. We And, do it and all a lot
2: of those exercises, by the way, involved low-yield, I think they're referred to as uh, so-called tactical nuclear weapons. In other words, a nuclear weapon that could take out, one missile would take out a city of 100,000 people. It would be basically the size of the Hiroshima bomb. <laughs> that, that's what they call a small nuke these days.
1: Well, um, again, that's going to affect everybody, including, of course, Ukraine is so close to Russia, you don't think yeah. the fallout's going to hit them. Th- these guys are nuts. And what I am advocating for is again looking at the big picture, we let Hitler get away with it, we let Hirohito get away with it, we let Mussolini get away with it, and this is not ancient history. This is this is less than a hundred years ago. And again, with the Neville Chamberlain thing, they just weren't ready at that point to take on Hitler. They needed time and they bought time by this appeasement stuff. But the point I'm making right now is eventually it happens. And I'm not a I'm not a big Winston Churchill fan. But again, you're not going to fight these guys with diplomacy. you're not going to fight autocrats and authoritarians okay. and people who are basically crazy.
2: Well, with you're the exception of with the exception of Sweden and Finland, there are, uh, to the best of my knowledge, uh, pretty much all of Western Europe now is part of NATO. And that is a military lie in the sand. I mean, you know I, I, I think frankly it's a shame that we didn't put uh, Ukraine into NATO back in 2014. That should have been our response, but Obama wasn't willing to go there. Larry, thank you for the call. I, I get your outrage. Don in Wheaton, Illinois. Hey, Don, thanks for listening to WCPT. What's up? Yeah. Hi, Tom. I just wanted to uh, join in the conversation. person who had infiltrated the Tea Party movement,
5: Rachel Maddow also during those times was pointing out and they circled on, on a screen faces that appeared in all these different Cities.
2: So it was the same yeah. people going from city to city in buses exactly. and then having new press conferences and it was being covered by the media, like, oh, my God, there's this nationwide you know, backlash against Obamacare when it was just yes. a scam.
5: Yeah, with corporate printed posters that were handed out and right. they looked like uh, grassroots people, you know, made these sites.
2: Right. Interesting. But anyway, I, that's all I wanted to add. That's yeah. That's a good one, Don. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Mitchell in Hilo, Hawaii. Hey, Mitchell, what's up? you know,
4: with Putin and this false flag invasion, he's taking a play out of the Nazi playbook to invade Poland. It may
2: well be, yeah. There there certainly is an echo of that.
4: You know, after World War II, the Soviet Union wanted that buffer because of being invaded. They lost so many people, civilians and soldiers, that's what, he's, that's what he's trying to bring back.
2: Well, that's what, that's what he was saying was before, was he, he wants that buffer, and he doesn't want NATO in that buffer. But the one exception to that right now is Ukraine. And he's stopped talking about NATO and started talking about Ukraine is actually historically part of Russia. And, uh, you know, it's, right. this is the Russian Empire, and, and it was taken away from us un, unfairly, and we've got to take it back. So I think it's, it's changed, Mitchell. I, I really do. Thanks a lot for the call. Gene in Somerville, South Carolina. Hey, Gene, what's on your mind today?
5: Hi, Tom. I was just thinking about this Putin guy. He, I feel like he's not going to make a full-scale assault on Ukraine because he's doing this because he's jealous of Trump. Four years Trump ruled the TV, He was his face was on every day, a lot of times, 24 hours a day. And Putin is jealous of that. And he's got the brain of Trump because a 12-year-old, that's about how he's reacting. I, I don't believe.
2: I, respectfully, Gene, I think he's a lot more sophisticated, a lot smarter than Donald Trump, and probably not prone to jealousy. I mean, he's an extraordinarily rich and powerful man. He knows how to wield power. He's a former KGB officer. He, the whole great power dance. Uh, this is not to praise him, but to just acknowledge the simple reality that he's not adult uh, you know and and i and I frankly think that Donald Trump is adult, so you know respectfully i I, I disagree with he could be right, but i I, I don't think so well
5: <laughs> putin is is in a position where the whole world is going to be against him and he's going to lose big-time economically.
2: I think, yeah, with that, I agree, and I think that that is not what he was expecting. I I really think that he's been outplayed by Joe Biden in some regard. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, Howard in Jenison, Michigan. Hey, Howard, what's on your mind today?
6: Hi, Tom. I was listening
5: to part of your
2: conversation with Dr. Wolf, Mm -hmm.
5: and the inflation versus stopping Putin is a concern. He's worried about the inflation, but what about Putin moving into Poland or... The Baltics or all the other stuff. How do you actually
2: stop them? With NATO, Poland not is not going to war. I'm Poland not a is part plan of, of war. Poland is part of NATO. No, I, th- I think that NATO would respond militarily. They've been saying this all along. I think that Putin knows it. I don't think he wants a nuclear war any more than we do. I think that even with regard to uh, Ukraine, there's a lot of bluffing going on, but, but we don't have a legal basis for defending Ukraine. It's not part of the EU. It's not part of NATO. We don't have a, de- a mutual defense treaty with them. We do with Poland and, and, and Latvia and Estonia and Lithuania and you know, all those Baltic all those countries. That whole strip of countries going right up toward Finland. And, and, right. and, and frankly, I think that the unintended consequence that that uh, you know Russia's gonna see coming out of this is that Sweden and Finland, which so far have been the two European holdouts saying we're not gonna join NATO, we'd rather be neutral. I, I think that there's a really good chance that within the next year you're gonna see them both join NATO.
5: Okay. Yeah I was just curious because uh, I understand the inflation. I'm not quite as concerned about it as maybe a lot of other people are, but I'm willing to sacrifice a little more expense to stop him where he is, yeah. and if that's paying higher gas prices, you know, I'm okay with that. Well,
2: yeah, you may be, and I may be, Howard, Um, you know, we may have the luxury to be able to deal with a little inflation, but A, a lot of Americans aren't, and B, the the Republican politicians out there definitely aren't. They are going to demagogue this issue as long and as hard and as far as they can. Howard, thank you for the call. And thanks for listening to us on SiriusXM. XM. We will be back tomorrow. Thanks so much for being with us today. What a day, huh? Uh, and in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. It requires action. You can't, democracies are dynamic things. They die if they are not fed, if they're not nurtured, if, if people don't participate in them. And our democracy is in trouble. You need to get out there and get active. Tag, your it. Have a great afternoon. Be good to the people around you and yourself and take care. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.